want to see the kind of industries that are opening up. This is Local Biz Now with Joe Vagnone, where your business matters. Local Biz Now. You have to determine what is working, what isn't working. Joe Vagnone is a respected business broker, helping individuals buy and sell businesses. Joe has successfully owned and operated many companies in a variety of industries. This is Local Biz Now. Biz Now. Because your business matters. And this is Local Biz Now. Welcome to the number one talk business show in North Carolina. We are coming to you live from the new Burner Cigar Studio, home of the finest premium cigars and cigar smokers in the world. Great people, premium cigars, life is good at Burner's Cigars, located in Burkdale Village. Please go by there, especially today. Things are going to be hopping at Burners today. Go on by there and uh, tell them that Joe sent you or tell them you heard it on WSIC and hear this, hear this, get a free cigar. I don't mean a little crappy little cigar. I mean a delicious premium cigar of your choice. Go on by there. It is on me. You are listening to Local Biz Now. I am Joe Vagnone. This is WSIC, where your business Matters. This is 105.9 FM, 100.7 FM, 1400 AM. And let me prove to you why we are number one in the entire North Carolina. I'm going to prove it to you because I got a bunch of smart people in the studio. One of them's an attorney, and I don't want him questioning my number one status. We've been doing this show strong for over 10 years live. We have well over 850 small business owners and community leaders that we have interviewed. We have well over 575 videos that our interviews are put on my brand new sexy YouTube channel, Joe Vagnone Business Broker. Please go to Joe Vagnone Business Broker and sign up and subscribe. After each of our interviews on Monday, we then drop them onto the uh, uh, tubes so you guys can watch them again. And I promise you, every show, there's at least something that will inspire, inform, or entertain you, because that's what we do here at News Talk WSIC. Again, you are listening to Local Biz Now, where your business matters. And every month I have a co-host, because somebody has to have a big brain in the room. And this month, it is Chuck Cooper. Chuck is the founder of Whitewater Consulting and author of Unprecedented. You have seen me. If you're on the book, hold this up. It is an exceptional book. It's how Chuck and I met. Um, and I have asked him to be on the show several times. And he has been a co-host several times as well, I think. It's, it's great to be back. It is always fun to be on your show. Hey, Chuck, thank you so much for being here, buddy. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. So remind people that don't know what is and who is Whitewater Consulting. Whitewater Consulting is an HR consulting practice located in Charlotte. Uh, we specialize in working with small and mid-sized companies, helping them in the areas, everything that's related to HR. So everything from an applicant uh, tracking system or applicant uh, for a position at your organization all the way through the compliance and the benefits and the payroll and the offboarding, all of those areas we get involved in and uh, help business and entrepreneurs really navigate the journey of being an employer. And, you know, nowadays, that's like important. You know, when I, I, I built, I don't know if you know this about me. Hey, I used to be a big deal. Okay. <laughs> you still are. <laughs> I, I literally 
built the largest closed market environment restaurant concept in the Southeast. I had about 175 employees. And I'm telling you, it's not till I read your book that I realized, boy, did I do a bad job. <laughs> I'm sure you did great. It's, it's, you, you just don't realize how much is on your shoulders until Absolutely. you go through it. There's so, and, and a lot has changed. Over the years. Even in the last three years, so yeah. much has changed. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, one of the things I wanted to do, if you don't mind, I know as a uh, co-host, you are required to go to the Google, bring something, and we can talk about it. Okay. I know you. You don't really go to the Google. You are the Google. But I know that about you. But I, we have not finished going through your book, and there's a chapter in your book that fits perfectly for today. So one of the things I want to talk, it's racism. Okay. And you did a really nice job of sort of helping small business people um, go through. And I, and I want to go through that chapter on, right. on racism. Before we do that, um, I, I looked something up. I, I don't know if people know it or not. I, I started Lake Norman Woman Magazine. If you're on Facebook, I'll, I'll pull it up for you about 17 years ago. It, it is a fabulous magazine. No, I no longer own it. And boy, they do a much better job than when I did. Um, uh, Dana... Forbes has been running this magazine for years. Um, she does a fabulous job. And they've got a, a nice um, definition of Martin Luther King Day. And I wanted to read it because i I got to be honest with you. I'm not, I wasn't exactly sure what, what and how we were celebrating, right? Um, and I found out through a little bit of research that this is the only federal holiday that is a national day of service, which we are to or encouraged to provide something positive for somebody else uh, during the day. I did not know that. I found that kind of kind of interesting. But I want to read this to you. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday is January 15th, but the holiday in his memory is held on the third Monday of January. Sometimes it falls on his actual birthday. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a chief spokesperson for nonviolent act activism in the civil rights movement, which successfully protest racial discrimination and federal and state laws. The campaign started for Martin Luther King Day in 1968 wow. and did not become law until Ronald Reagan signed it in 1983. That's nowadays that's hard to believe, right? That is. Uh, it took a long time for that holiday to 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 be uh enforced. Um so anyways, um I thought it was a perfect time to to celebrate Martin Luther King. And we can also, let's talk about racism. Um, because in my world, some days I think it's going away. And then in other days, it's just like, just like how long it took for him to get his holiday. You know, it seemed like forever, right? <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it's such a, it's such an important topic, I think, Joe, because yeah, it's, I think in today's world, it's like a lot of other things. It, there is a real, it's a very, very serious topic. But the reality is it becomes so politicized today as well. Well, it, it, here's the thing. Just like I thought I was doing an okay job at managing 175 people, I, I, I like to say I'm not a racist, right? But when I read your book, I'm thinking, well, maybe I have looked at somebody in a stereotypical way, not realizing it's just who I'm comfortable with. What's maybe who you're comfortable with, or maybe it's just the, the way that you perceive the world whenever, as you were being brought up. Not that I 
want to harm somebody. Like most of us, we hear the word racist, we think, oh, well, we want to harm somebody. No, no that's not, that's, it's, that's not it's, the case. It's really not. And I think that if we want to be honest with ourselves, even though, even though we say that we uh, are not, there are times where we, we have biases. And whether that's implicit or explicit um, or conscious or unconscious, we all have some form of a bias. Uh, let's take a break. Okay. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about, about this. Y you know, I, I didn't talk about the fact that the board operator is the worst board operator known to mankind. It's, it's, it's Justin, the owner of the station, you understand. You are listening to Local Biz Now, where your business matters. We'll be right back if Justin doesn't turn off the entire station by mistake. I said, you got another 20 seconds. I need a big button like Wilton had, you understand? <laughs> Give me some music at least. Give me some music or something, man. Oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be real bad. We'll be right back. <laughs> There's the music. That's it. Yeah. Welcome to the number one live talk business show in North Carolina. This is Local Biz Now, where your business matters. And we are here with my good friend, whether he will admit it or not, Chuck Cooper. He is the founder of Whitewater Consulting. He wrote a book called Unprecedented, and we're going through his book. And I thought because it was Martin Luther King holiday, I thought it was a good time to go through his chapter on racism. Um, and, and so we started, we... we because we got such a poor board operator, you understand, <laughs> before we went to break, um, I was telling you, us small business people, we don't think we're racist, right? You understand that, don't you, right? We think a racist is somebody that's trying to do some harm to somebody, right? But when I read your book, we do have these, these um, life experiences that you suggest we need to be more capable of. And here's my question to you. How can I? Because they've helped me be successful up until now. So you're asking me to ignore them. Am I asking that question right? I don't know that I'm asking to ignore those emotions or those feelings. Um, but I do think that it's really important that sometimes we want to take the mask off and really become self-aware of our of our emotions and really whether like I'd be why to, is it why, I like or dislike this particular person I'm interviewing? Correct. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I think that when it comes back to how we go about uh, selecting people to become a part of our team and even as simple as how we go about wording a job um, requisition or a job description can have an impact on our biases that we have. So one of the things you, you, you kind of list the five things that you really need, it will help a bit. I'm calling it small business people. Cause I do think it's small business people that need more help with this than a larger company. That's already got this in place. Right. That's correct. Um, and, and you say things post racism, discrimination notices. I kind of laugh at that, but if I tell people it is my intention not to harm you, it does make them feel better if they say, hey, man, I just want to let you know, you know, that, that Joe, that, that, that joke wasn't funny. You, yeah, you know? <laughs> that's right, where right. we oftentimes get in trouble. So. Right. But I think that we don't want to ever assume that our people understand our expectations. Uh, so we have to be really clear today and be able to communicate what those expectations are. And, and then the, the next one is give workers. This is a big one. Training. 
I think owners need training from you first, right? And then we'll know how to train our employees. And 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 we're not we're not training them how to not be racist. We're training them how to say, hey, this is something we all need to talk about. Correct? Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, it, it needs to be top of you mind. You can say exactly. If you, <laughs> if you want to, you could say that. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Okay. <laughs> no, I think that, I mean, having that training and oftentimes I think that the small business owner is the one, that's where it has to start because it has to be something that's important to, to them. But they also, in many cases, they are the ones that need the training so that they know how to communicate with their people about the the role and the importance of not you know basically not being a racist, and, but we have to be we have to be open to having that conversation with okay. our people. Okay, um, and I'm I'm approaching this uh, probably in a way that that makes me sound more racist than I am, but 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 it's the best way to go through this, right? So I hope you'll I hope you'll understand that I'm not a horrible guy. Right. But anyway, but but um, number three, take on a no tolerance policy, right? Well, okay, if I do have these prejudice uh, or, or or slanting, you, you know, um, thought processes, um, how can I have a non tolerant policy because it might be me too but i think am i asking that right yeah you are and i think that again we're not every organization and us as individuals we're not going to be perfect all the time so there may be times where a something may be said and it's not sometimes it's not what we say it's how we say it or when we say it right and that's where we have to be able to be cognizant enough of that situation to be able to in some cases go back and talk with our people and use that as an example of you know i didn't live up hundred percent to the expectation here. And that goes to number four, which I really like here. That is define clearly how we can complain. How can we, how we can say, Hey Joe, I didn't like that, man. That was, that was a little over the top. To have a process where people can basically come back to you in right. some cases, hold you accountable. But I think that, you know, in, in larger organizations, you've got the, the human resource department that you can bring those issues to. Well, in small business, you may not have anybody that's actually handling HR for the company. Well, and that's why you hear me kind of making these personal, because that, that's how I see this, right? Like, it's really you asking me to change how I'm communicating with them so that they feel more comfortable. That's exactly that a, right. Is, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You're getting it now. You're getting it. Okay. Got it. Which is not easy, which is why if I hire a company like you, you'll help me through that process. We will help you with the process and we will help do the training and we will help hold people accountable as we go through it. Right. I have never seen in my lifetime any kind of ageism. Oh, it's real. Except, oh, I was going to say, except years ago, my father worked for A&P, and I watched the entire organization at my father's charge fire every single older employee because they were paid too much and hired uh, less uh, qualified, cheaper employees. The biggest mistake I've ever seen personally in my life that happened in a corporate setting. So when I say I haven't seen it on a small business level, because we'll take whoever could do the job, right? A lot of times. In big business, I see that a lot. Right, exactly. And what's interesting, I just had a conversation a couple of months ago with a gentleman. He's in his mid-50s, and he said, do you think ageism is real? And I said, absolutely. Yeah. It is still today. But I said, here's my question back to you. What have you done in the last 10 years to change your skill sets or improve your skill sets to be able to bring more value to your organization? Right. He said, my role was come in and do a job. I came in and did that well every day, but I've not done anything different. 
And I think in today's world, as we're moving forward and looking at the future of work. Self-improvement is so important. Learning and growing consistently and building that into your company's DNA is going to be mission critical. And if you're a business owner, it's got to be built into your personal DNA. That's correct. It has to be. Okay. Sexism. Now, this one I don't see a lot in my lifetime because I'm not I'm not that guy, right? I I I I hang around, I like, I I I work with a lot of strong, intelligent, sharp women, right? That this one hasn't been a problem of mine. I have heard women speak of it for years, and I in my setting, <laughs> right, it just hasn't been something that I've seen. But that just might be Joe, right? That that's not one of my prejudices, right? <laughs> it, it, so for me, I, I I can skip this one, but I might have to focus on the other two. I think the the one thing that has changed on the the sexism today is the fact that we have so many more um, moms working part time, or we have moms that are working um, virtual versus coming into the office right. since since COVID. And so what's happening in, in a lot of cases right now is those those people that are working from home, particularly specifically the women, are not being considered for uh, advancement or raises because they're not being seen in the office. Right. And there's that's one of the, the big challenges we're facing right now is the production and, and, the, and the impact that they're having on their organization is not being given full credit because of the fact that they are women in some cases and second because of the fact that they don't, they management believes people that are more productive are the ones in the office, not the ones working from home. Interesting. And so the there's a higher percentage of people that are either minority or female that are working from home than any anything else. Okay, takeaway: recognize that we all have biases um, in our lives, experience that really hit me because sure I do. We all do. Yeah, I I do. Right. I never considered them racist, you know, or prejudiced or, but they may be. A bias. It can feed into the racism side of things. But again, when you look at yourself, Joe, and the way that you were raised, when you were raised, where you were raised, comparing that to your own kids, there's, there's different perspectives there. Right. That's right. That's absolutely correct. Okay, reading and developing your your emotional intelligence. That's that's got to do with continuing education. We we have to improve. I'm not the same guy I was 30 years ago. Correct. And that's where the emotional intelligence a lot of times in businesses right now, the owners are looking at that saying that is a soft skill. That is something that adds no value to my organization whatsoever. And then then the next takeaway is your organization requires fully engaged leadership and and which means leadership has to acknowledge this is something they have to work on, right? It, it starts it, with you right. as a leader. It does. It, everything from a from the culture of the organization to your role as the leader of the company, though, those things start with you. And, and the last one is commitment to have an open, transparent conversation, which means I, I, I as a small business person, have to be comfortable saying, hey, bring it to me. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't want an organization that is looked poorly on. Correct. And that's, I mean, again, you want to say exactly, but I, I got you. <laughs> I, where you, where you go with that, Joe, is um, we have to be some, I think I've seen, and maybe I'm being uh, sexist when I say this, but I think the majority of time, guys, men that are in leadership roles, we want to wear a mask that we've got everything under control. If we have a problem, we know how to fix it. And we are in control of our world. And the reality, I think, Going back to COVID, 
I think it took, it showed a lot of us that we don't have, there's a lot of things out of our control. And I think it has caused a lot of people in business ownership roles and leadership roles. They've taken that mask off and they become much more transparent with themselves and with their people, and which is a really big thing and a very positive. We're talking with Chuck Cooper. He is the author of Unprecedented. He also is the founder of Whitewater Consulting, which is an HR consulting firm. If you're on the book or the tube or wherever I'm holding up the book, it really is a great book. Chuck, thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciate you doing that. Now, you are co-host. I got another big brain on the show, so I'm going to need you to carry the load. We have another attorney that's going to be joining that's, us today. That's, right. that's going to be great. Right. That's right. So, um, my friend, is there any last words you want to say about racism? If there's a small business person listening that says, I got this out of control, forget it. I, this is not a problem for me. This is a problem for the other guy. What do you say? Don't make, the, make, make that an assumption. Take the opportunity to have a conversation with your people and ask them if they see any of those tendencies in you. Got it. Okay, we're going to take a break, but we're not going to start taking a break till I hear some music. There you go. Patrick Reynolds, the new. Yeah, you are listening to Local Biz Now, where your business matters. This is the number one talk business show in all of North Carolina. We're happy to have you. My co-host is Chuck Cooper. He is the founder of Whitewater Consulting, and he wrote a book called Unprecedented, and we've been talking with him. Chuck, thank you so much. Uh, Before we get started, if we can do it, because my board operator is pathetic, can you fire up that uh, Burner's talk? It ain't going to happen, is it? Okay. No, it's going to happen. I was just writing Bill Russell a message on Facebook, send help real quick. (laughs) But now let me go and fire it for you. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Burners, cigars, finest premium cigars, Burkdale Village, great people, premium cigars, life is good at Burners, and maybe... Josh Johnson here, and whether I'm responding to an emergency as a show-up firefighter or unwinding after a shift, one thing's for sure. A good cigar can ignite your evenings with warmth and relaxation. Stop by Burner Cigar today, and we will help you discover the perfect blend to light up your night. And we've been making fun of Justin, but uh, thank, uh, uh, thank you, Justin. I appreciate that. Burner Cigars is our newest uh, studio sponsor. Uh, we really do appreciate them. Uh, please go buy Burner Cigar in Burkdale Village. They have premium cigars and exceptional people to help you uh, pick out what kind of cigar you want. And um, when you go there, tell them Joe sent you or you heard it on WSIC, and they will give you a cigar on me burner cigar please go by there in burkdale village and check them out they're in the uh, same parking lot as uh dick's sporting goods and now back you are listening to local biz now this is wsic 105.9 fm 100.7 fm 1400 am if it is monday afternoon your business matters and our latest guest who we didn't scare away was such a poor production today um, is uh, Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey Banus? Am I saying that correctly? Banus. I- I'm sorry. Banus. Banos. Banus. Say that one more time. Banus. Banus. There How'd you I go. Do? You got, got it. it. You Jeffrey got it now. Banus. Exactly. Jeffrey is the uh, a managing partner with uh, legal production at <clears throat> Edward Sisson, attorney at law. 
Edward Sisson, attorney at law, is a company that has been um, associated with um, McIntosh Law Firm for for some time now. And Jeffrey, let me ask a a quick question before we continue this, because I didn't understand the relationship. What is a legal productionist? And then I've got you down as a title, which is kind of interesting, um, your relationship with um, Sisson and also McIntosh. Describe that a little bit to me. Yeah, so as legal production manager of the Sisson and Banyas Law Firm, recently renamed, um, my job is to kind of keep all of the trains running on all of our matters. So I'm an intellectual property attorney. I deal with patents, I deal with trademarks, I deal with trade secrets, copyrights, all of those types of things. And uh, all of that is very deadline driven. You're dealing with the federal government. And uh, so we've got to make sure that we're on top of all those things that matters are signed out correctly whether it's to myself or to any of the other attorneys in the firm. And so that's kind of my role within uh, the Sisson and Banyas firm. As far as the relationship with McIntosh goes, um, Ed Sisson, my business partner, and I um, have been doing business in North Carolina for a a few years now. Ed's uh, youngest son, David, was actually a soccer player at Davidson College, Um, was a recent graduate from uh, Davidson College. And my background's in auto racing, so I actually represent a lot of the suppliers to the NASCAR teams and things down here. So we found ourselves doing more and more business in North Carolina, and um, obviously every business owner has legal needs. Some of those are intellectual property. A lot of them aren't. And so they turned to us, really, who who do we turn to? And so that's where we got connected with the McIntosh Law Firm a few years back. Um, really looking for a, a really credible law firm, a, a good law firm that has a wide breadth of whether it's business formation, stock yep, certificate yep. issuance, um, commercial real estate, litigation, estate planning, all those types of things that I don't do, but they have great people that are that are working on that. Well, I'll tell you something. As a small business broker, you can imagine I deal a lot with, with a lot of attorneys. There is not a better firm in North Carolina than what Bob McIntosh has put together. Uh, some of the finest attorneys uh, in the state uh, work with, with Bob McIntosh. So so bravo for the choice that you guys made to, to do that. We, we, we think a lot of them around here. Um, so I, I, I didn't, and now I do, understand what the term production means in legal terms. And it's interesting because it's an operational concept, and I and it wasn't until you described it that I got it right. So I I I, I get um I get that understanding. Let me let me let me say this for people that are listening. Um, Jeffrey has a skill set and passion helping companies secure and protect their intellectual assets. He ensures that company brands are protected from counterfeiting and knockoffs, and that their innovations are protected using patents and trade secrets. Um, and that's where I wanted to get to, but I couldn't because I wasn't sure I knew what, what production was. So I got it. So you got a dual role going on inside your firm. Absolutely. So I'm not only an attorney, so I'm doing all of those things, the anti-counterfeiting, the brand protection, the patent drafting and prosecution, but I'm also in charge of making sure that that, that all of our trains are running well within the organization and kind of on that uh, production level. And, and we talked about before before the show, you do not live in the area. You live in Ohio, correct? I live in Ohio. I'm just about 40 minutes south of Cleveland, um, but I'm down here usually around once a month. I'll be down here for the next two weeks. Um, that's becoming more and more. I think eventually we'll probably have uh, a full-time attorney down here. 
Um, probably myself. <laughs> um, I just love this area. I mean, this is, yeah. with, with my background in auto racing, this is kind of heaven for me down sure. here. Sure. I, and, and, and I want to go there in just a second, but I want everybody listening to be clear. You do this all over the country. So it really doesn't matter where you are located. What you do is something that is throughout the entire country. All over the country, all over the world. So I've got customers uh, in Ohio, North Carolina, all throughout the East Coast, the Midwest, California, Nevada, Texas. Uh, we've also got co companies overseas that we represent, whether it's in Finland, Germany, Australia. Um, everybody, you know, w w when you're running a business, you've got some competitive advantage. These some competitive advantages that you want to protect, and that's what we're here for. Whether, regardless of where you're located, and we're going to get to that. But I got to ask: Did you wake up on a Tuesday and decide you want to be attorney? I mean, when when did that happen? That that you looked in the mirror and said, Jeffrey. You're going to be an attorney. When did that happen? So I was actually in high school when I started down this path. Um, in Ohio, we have a, a mock trial program in the high schools. It's a really great competitive program. I started in that when I was a freshman in high school and just had a passion for it. And uh, I always tell people, you know, when you're looking to go to law school, if you have some passion for the law, um, we can always use more attorneys like that. If you're going to law school because you watch an episode of Law and & Order and you think it looks like fun and the attorneys make a lot of money. Or suits. Well, you might want to, yeah, suits. I've been watching a lot of suits <laughs> lately. That's a good show, but uh, it's not entirely reality of what practicing <laughs> law is like. So I just happen to know, again, I told you I do a lot of work uh, with attorneys. Some of the finest attorneys in the country come out of Ohio and Michigan. I don't know why that is, but uh, a whole lot of them do that. So when you told me Ohio, I thought, yep, that's a big brain. Yep, I could tell. So so thank you for being here, Jeffrey. We really do appreciate it. We really appreciate it, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about your personal life, uh, because if you're packing up and, and moving to North Carolina once a week, um, you're leaving somebody behind. Actually, this time around, my wife got a chance to join me. She's uh, back at the Airbnb right now. Uh, she's got her own thing that she's doing. Um, but I do a lot of traveling. I'm, you know, this is probably the fourth or fifth trip in the last uh, two months that I've been on. Um, a lot of it centers around the auto racing industry. Um, I, we, I'm a member of uh, SEMA, uh, so we do a lot of the work in the SEMA and the trade show out there. Um, do a lot of volunteer work there, and we do a lot of, uh, my belief is very much in on-site services. Um, you know, your time as the business owner is more valuable to you than packing up and, and coming to see me so that I can maximize my billable hours or something along those lines. Uh, I want to be out in the customer's facility, seeing the seeing the product, seeing how it's made, asking questions. That's when I can draft a better patent application and I can get a better sense of what it is that uh, the customer's trying to, to achieve with their intellectual property. So I'm curious, because this relationship between two different attorneys, um, did you guys reach out to them over the years or did they reach out to you because they had a service? How did that happen? We actually got introduced through one of uh, my business partner, Ed's uh, longtime contacts, Kevin Mall up at Hyde Park in, um, Storage, uh, First Turn Innovations, Champion Tire and Wheel. Uh, great person. Uh, he was the one that introduced us to the Macintosh Law Firm. Oh gosh, probably 2016, 2017 timeframe, um, and it just kind of built from there. Okay, that I, I, not don't laugh at me. What's the difference between a trademark and a patent? So when we're talking about trademarks, we're talking about brand identifiers, things that customers look at 
to identify that that product comes from you. Uh, we're wearing Sony headphones right here, right now. Sony is the, the brand name. That is the trademark. Uh, patent is dealing with more with technology, is dealing with um, potentially, if you're talking about design patents, the aesthetic appearance of the product. So all of the electronics that are going inside of this, these headphones, those are things that uh, when they first came out, obviously would have been applied for patent protection. Right. So we're looking at innovations when we're talking about patents. We're looking at branding and brand identifiers when we're talking about trademarks. So I got a client of mine, you know, they got, most of y'all have heard them, you know, black powder coffee. When, when we come back, I, I want to talk about, because they talk to me about how they have to defend that so it's just as important that you do the defending as you actually set that up. And I want to talk about that in the case of small business. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. You are talking to Joe Vagnone. This is Local Biz Now. You are listening to Local Biz Now. I am Joe Vagnone, where your business matters. I am here with uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, thank you so much for being here, buddy. We really do appreciate it. Um, we are talking with you because you are an um, expert in um, patent and trademark and small business people, we tend to stay away from it unless we just feel like we have to. Is that a fair statement that you find to be the case? For some small business people, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I, I get a lot of calls at times from people who, when they have to, it's because somebody's plopped a cease and desist letter on their desk or, or, or they've got a counterfeiter that's coming in from China or they're, or they're having knockoffs all over the place on Amazon. Um, the struggle with that is by, the t by that point, if you don't have your intellectual property protections in place, there's very little that I can do. Right. And that's why you're here because I know that, right? Like I know it, the best thing to do is to protect it now. Exactly. Uh, because later it gets a whole lot harder, if almost impossible. So I, I got to, uh, as you know, you know, you may not know, Jeffrey, you understand, because you spend most of your time in Ohio. But around here, we got the most delicious coffee known to mankind, which is called black powder coffee. Okay. And they went ahead and protected their, their brand name and found themselves in a situation where they had to defend it. And can you talk about that defense? Because I asked them, Listen, it seems kind of small. I don't even know what's worth the time, energy, effort to even fight it. And they said, well, we have to. Once we have this trademark, we have to defend it. It's, can, can you walk me through some of that? Yeah, I mean, if you're allowing other people to use your brand name or something similar to your brand name, something that's going to cause consumers to look at it and go, yeah, that's black powder coffee. Right. Um, you know, it, it can create all sorts of issues later on for, you know, even if they're a small person that's that's doing it, if somebody later on that's a big person, well, you acquiesced to that first person that was doing it. So you're, you're chipping away at your rights. So it makes it a little bit harder to enforce later on down the road. And the other thing is, you know, especially when we're talking about foodstuffs, um, there's a big public safety component that goes into that as well, right? Um, you know, we've worked with some people over the Department of Commerce who have, have talked about and have shown the examples of, you know, coffee that has or, or other food products right. that have poor ingredients or sometimes right. even chemically harmful ingredients in them that are coming out of and another country. And I don't yeah. care until they harm somebody and then they come after yeah. me and say, I thought it was your product. I thought it was, exactly. Okay. I thought it was your product. Do you hear what he said, Chuck? I've heard it three times. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm throwing these out there for you, 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 are, you are, you are, you are, you are. 
I'm sorry. Listen, Jeffrey, I don't have the brain you have. It takes me a little time to catch up, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So, <laughs> Jeffrey will fit right in around Yeah, he yeah, is, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so, okay. I purchased, because it was a deal, $6.95, my sports memorabilia for $6.95. Everybody else was paying $160. You understand? You purchased the counterfeit? Yeah. How do we stop that? Because it looked like it was the real thing. It had a little tag on it that said it was the real thing. So how in the world is somebody defending that? Well, you know it came from China because it took me six weeks to get the darn thing. So there's a couple of things that we can do on that. Um, I'm assuming this was purchased off of an e-commerce site, Amazon, yes, one of those. Yes, yes, They all have really, all the big ones, your Amazons, your Ebays, your Alibabas, they all have really great systems that are in place, and they're always improving them um, every year, every month for addressing counterfeit products. Amazon's uh, brand registry is a great example um, where you can take your trademark submit it to brand registry and then when you come across these these counterfeit products as the genuine brand owner you report them to amazon amazon evaluates it and pulls those products down but it all comes back to you as the brand owner right you've got to be the one that's out there policing this and enforcing this if you're getting your trademark registration and just putting a nice plaque on the wall for yourself and not doing anything with it what's the point right right okay so this is, you know, we, we make all these videos, right? These are spectacular videos that I'm making here. Local biz now videos and photos and that sort of stuff. I had a woman years ago want to make fun of me. So she took one of those videos, turned it, twisted it to make it look like I was peculiar. Jeffrey, don't, you don't have to smirk to that. You understand? Really peculiar. Let me just put you that way. How do I control this video that I am now putting on uh, the tubes and the Facebook and that sort of stuff. How do we manage that moving forward? Yeah, so that's another one where, again, you, you've got to know about it is the first thing. So it sounds like you knew about it in this case. Well, it was after no, well, the fact. I mean, yeah. people were sending it to me saying, hey, look, this woman's making fun of you. Yeah, and, and so in a case like that, now, if she's changing it up and in, in adding text or adding characters or adding some type of image to it, you know, th there could be an argument on her side that it's a parody um, which would be protected, you know, Weird Al and sort of right. those sorts of things like that. But if she's just taking snippets out of your um, your podcast, your right. YouTube, your your Facebook, and using them as her own or presenting them as if she has rights to them, now you're talking about something called the uh, Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Uh, there's takedown notices. You, you, all you, you, you get that big head. You you see what's <laughs> happening with the, with that big brain. Got it. And and all of your your your. Your tubes, your your Facebooks, right. they're used to receiving complaints under that. It, it's a short one-page uh, form that you would submit to the to the whatever the platform is. Um, show that you are the copyright holder. You do need to make sure that you have right. ownership interest. Right. That's a big thing in it, um, as opposed to somebody else. And then uh, you know that's something that can be removed from the web. Justin's over there saying it's mine. <laughs> well, well, real quick, I, I, we were joking on the morning show that if I just shout TM at anything, do I automatically get the trademark? Is that all I have to do? I just we just been shouting TM after everything we come up with. Does that work? Uh, probably not. 
Um, no, yeah, if it's something that, uh, that your consumers can use to identify it as your brand, that might be a, a little different area. And you, certainly, if you have something like that, you should be using the TM symbol, okay, or okay. if you have it registered, whoa, yeah. Whoa, 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 okay, okay. Justin, get the pencil out, start taking notes. Here's the question. For over 10 years, I've had a tagline. I created it in genius. This is Local Biz Now, where your business matters. Can I put a TM on that? Absolutely. Whoa, we're on to something, Justin. We're on to something. Yeah, I, I, I don't see why not. I mean, you're sitting here. It's, it's something that your consumers use to identify that as uh, uh, this radio show if I'm is not something careful, that comes from you. Bill Russell and Patrick <laughs> are going to be saying that next week. Yeah, and you don't want them uh, diluting your brand value, or in, in, in their case, they may be improving your brand value, so maybe you want to license it to them. <laughs> I was going to say they might help. <laughs> Justin, we got to work on that. I want a dollar every time Bill Russell copies me. Man, what a great time to be alive. I've only been here six months. <laughs> okay, good to know. But but I, I say that in jest, but the truth is there are some things we as business people have created these taglines that people know us by, and that's where you can help us. Us. It may because sometimes the, those taglines are actually more valuable than the company name itself. Yeah, there's a lot of different things that can have value as a brand identifier. We tend to think of logos, you know, the, the, the Pepsi symbol or the Windows icon or something along those lines when we think about trademarks. A lot of times it's it's the brand name, it's the tagline. It can even be the shape of, uh, of a product. Uh, Coca-Cola is really famous for having their wasted bottle is protected as a trademark. It's been around for years. It's not subject to patent or design patent anymore. But consumers identify that wasted hourglass figure bottle as a brand identifier for Coca-Cola. It's the only one that you're going to only beverage you're going to see on the right. beverage aisle in that bottle. So so uh, this is a this is a standard thing for small business people. We create stuff all the time. You understand? It's what we do. You understand? Oh yeah. And, and when we do that when is it we should come to you and say, hey, can I patent this? Should I patent this? Can you help me out here a little bit? I can think of three or four things that I have literally made, right? And my son and I, we would laugh about them and say, this is something really good that we think we could sell. Then we'd laugh, should we patent it? But should we or should we not? How do we know that? You really should be having a conversation with a qualified patent attorney before you launch the product. Because in the U.S., you might have a one-year grace period to file your patent. But once the product is launched in a lot of countries, particularly if you're going internationally, places like Europe, the minute you've launched the product, you've published it, you've posted it on, on your Facebook, you've right. taken it to a trade show, your patentability is cut off if you haven't filed your patent application. And i got to go to China and get the darn thing made, right? Yep. So by the time I figure out who's going to make it, I've told a bunch of people how to make it and what the idea is. And the odds of me stopping that from being duplicated are very difficult. Yeah, especially if you don't have your patent application filed. And, and I've got a great story, if you, if you can Here. indulge me for a second, Absolutely. on China. There's this kind of misconception that China is, doesn't respect intellectual property laws. There's nothing you can do about counterfeiting in China, right? Um, we're, I'm one of only a handful of attorneys in the U.S. that has successfully not only obtained patent protection in China, but enforced it on behalf of a customer. So we were at a trade show several years ago, and this customer, uh, we, we were introduced to them uh, at that trade show, and he comes up to me and he says, uh, Jeffrey, i got to share this with you. He pulls out his phone. It's a picture of his featured product 
that had gone viral on social media, million views on Instagram, everything you can name it. And it's a picture of that particular product on WeChat, Chinese social media website. And they translated the text and said, I, will ha I like this product very much. I will have my copy out in two months. <laughs> and boy, did they. But you know what? He had his patent application filed um, through another company. We had to do some things to get it cleaned up and get it into China. We actually got our private investigative firm from right down here in Huntersville, Vaudra International. We got them involved, got into the factory, got them sued in China, got a judgment against them from a Chinese court, a permanent injunction, monetary damages, and shut down that factory. Boom! That's what I'm talking about. So when they tell you that, uh, when they tell you that you can't uh, enforce your proper intellectual property rights in China, uh, I, I got a little different story for them. Jeffrey, uh, pl please uh, pronounce your, your last name, please. Banyas. Banyas. Jeffrey Banyas. Give Jeffrey a call. Jeffrey, if they wanted to reach you, how can they reach you, buddy? MacintoshLawFirm.com or 704-892-1699. Thanks. The new 1059 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, W290DK, Mooresville, Lake Norman, North Charlotte.